You're listening to the Dear Baseball Gods podcast. I'm Dan Blewett, and on this show, you'll learn advanced concepts in baseball explained simply. I'm here to guide you on your baseball journey and help you paddle through what's now an ocean of misinformation, guruism, and overly technical diamond babble. Welcome back. This is the Dear Baseball Gods podcast. I'm Dan Blewett. On today's show, we're going to talk about pitching with runners on third base. So we'll cover all three situations, uh, runner on third, no one out, second and third, bases loaded. In our second segment, we'll talk about bouncing back after a bad start. And lastly, we'll talk about does a slider hurt a young pitcher's arm? Because there's some weird myth about this. I'm not really sure where it comes from. So first, let's talk about pitching with runners on third base because this is, I think, tough. It's something that you learn. There's uh, different approaches to all three different situations. First off, let's talk about the bases loaded. Number one, the base load is scary. Obviously, this changes with the different out base or the out situations. So if there's no one out, one out, two out, it's different. However, I'm just going to talk genuinely because generally because I don't want to talk about every possible out scenario for each of these three. It's just going to get overwhelming. So number one, when you have the bases loaded, the biggest thing you have to do is suck it up and throw a pitch essentially down the middle of the plate on the first pitch. Now, uh, this is scary because obviously you know that if the guy bangs into the gap, three runs are coming home and your day is maybe over. Who knows? But the only way you get out of a bases loaded jam is by getting ahead of the hitter. That's literally the only way you get out of it. If you fall behind 1-0, now the hitter is very certain a fastball is coming because he knows you don't want to get it. He knows you don't want to get to 2-0. So he figures you're probably going to take your chances 1-0 if you missed on the first pitch. So he's just like, this is great. I'm ahead of the count. It's bases loaded. He's got nowhere to put me. If he walks me, he's behind. Now I'm very sure I'm going to get a fastball and I'm going to smash it. Now, of course, if you fall behind again, now you're 2-0. That scenario is even more real. Vice, you know, And of course, for 3-0 and 3-1. So the number one thing you can do is put your pride and your hope to be like nasty on the mound aside on the first pitch and just have some balls and ram the pitch down the middle of the plate. And obviously you're not gonna end, it's not gonna end up down the middle of the plate most of the time because it's you're gonna miss your spot. Like the, the odds you throw it exactly down the middle in the mitt on that pitch is slim. So that you know middle aim to fastball is getting up on the outer half or inner third or whatever, but it gives you the most margin for error to get a strike to start to wriggle your way out of the, the jam. So if you get ahead 0-1, now you have a chance to get away from the middle of the plate where the damage is going to be done. So you can throw a change up on the outer half. You can throw a fastball on the outer third. You can start to move the ball away from the middle of the plate and force this hitter to put the ball in play because now a ground ball might be double play and in the inning, right? So the the real linchpin of the bases loaded situation is getting ahead. It's the absolute biggest thing you can do. And it's unfortunately the scariest thing to do because you know fastballs are potentially easier to hit than off-speed stuff and you got nowhere to put them and you don't want to see all those runs scored so you don't want to see the ball go down the middle of the plate so you really have to fight your your fear in your head and say you know you know what aiming for the middle right here is good because it's going to give me the best chance to have margin for error to get a strike to get ahead and then i can start to do my stuff so really once you get that first pitch out of the way and especially if you get a strike now you can start to take a deep breath and start to dig your way out. But until you get ahead, 
you really don't have a good chance of digging your way out of the base loaded situation. So it really just comes down to, and I did this many, many times where I'm out there and I'm like, please don't hit this. Here it comes deep breath and boom. And I just ram a fastball in there and hope for the best. Because ultimately you can only hope for the best on every pitch that leaves your hand. And it's just scarier hoping for the best of the bases loaded. But it really is important to be as middle of the plate as you can to give yourself a chance to get that first strike. Because again, if you don't get the first strike with the bases loaded, things are going to get out of hand quickly. Falling behind is the worst thing you can do. Okay, so second and third. Now you have a base open. So having a base open means the following. You have a place to put this runner or this hitter. So walking him does not necessarily hurt you. Also with one out, second and third is actually a pretty good time to accidentally walk somebody. So if you have second and third one out, if you walk him a ground ball, we can either bring the middle, we can either bring the infield in, get the out of the plate, or we can bring the corners in, send the middle infield back, get the double play if it's hit up the middle. Um, so we have a, if you walk the guy with second and third, you have a chance to get a double play that ends the inning with one out. So that's a one factor to consider. With no one out, that's not true, uh, but you still have the effect of if you walk the guy by accident, he's not going to force in a run, right? So that being said, the way you pitch to this guy is going to be different. When you have a base open, you don't have to go in, you don't have to give in to everyone. And so basically what happens is all the, the typical pitch schemes and locations will shift a row back the way I'd say it. So basically we would say, all right, uh, oh, oh, or if you're falling behind, you're going middle. If you're even counts, you're going to halves. If you're ahead, you go to thirds of the plate. If you're O2, you're going to bounce an off speed pitch or you're going to go black of the plate. If you're, if you have a bases open or a base open situation like second and third or run on third only, now you're going to move a row back. So if you're behind the count, you don't go back down the middle. You might stay on the outer half or outer third. If your first pitch of the bat, instead of going down the middle, you might go immediately to the outer half or outer third. So you're basically treating every pitch as if it's a 0-1 pitch or a 1-2 pitch until you get to two strikes in general. And once you get to two strikes in general, you're probably going to treat every pitch like an 0-2 pitch because you can try to throw him your nastiest stuff that's going to start in the zone, break out of the zone, uh, knowing that if he doesn't chase after it, then he walks to first base, no harm done. If he does chase after it, he's going to be out. So it gives you that zero sum outcome where it's like, all right, first pitch outer third, boom, got strike one. All right, we're Oh one. So now I'm going to throw him two sliders away on the outer third. If he swings at one of the two, I'm in good shape. Boom. It's one, two. He did it. So now I'm one, two. I've got three chances to punch him out. How do I, how do I punch him out with one of these next three pitches before I walk him? So it could be high fastball, slightly above the zone. It could be curveball breaking down or bounces on the point of the plate. It could be a changeup that starts on the outer third, breaks away, whatever it is. You're throwing stuff that starts a strike, ends a ball, um, the zero sum outcome pitch. And that's pretty much what you're looking for. And by zero sum outcome, it means either a swing and a miss or it's a ball. Like if he swings at it, he can't possibly hit it. If he takes it, it's certainly going to be a ball. That's the kind of the goal for O2 pitches. And when you have a base open, you might throw the O2 quote unquote pitch on one, two, on two, two, on even three, two, depending on the situation. So with a runner on third, most of these same rules are going to apply. You just have to give, you don't have to give in to him in any sense. Like you have a lot less dire situation. You could potentially walk two guys by accident before any run is going to get pushed in, right? So 
there's not a whole lot that changes with a runner on third, but um, it's I'd say it's an easier situation, obviously, because a single won't play two; it'll only play one. Um, and you still can set up the double play by accidentally walking a guy. So if it's first and third, you know, ground ball to the middle infield. If you want out, it's going to be that six four three double play and end your inning. So again, you don't have to be worried so much. Um, and that just allows you to pitch a little bit backwards. So if you're 2-0, maybe you throw him a slider instead of a fastball because you don't have to catch up in the count. It doesn't matter. You can walk him. Um, you know, might be 3-1. You still throw him a changeup. Even 3-0 sometimes, you know, if it's a really dire situation, you might be careful and throw him a, you know, a changeup or whatever your highest percentage for a strike secondary pitch is. So, you know, those situations, understanding what a base open does to your pitch selection is one of the fundamental things that most amateur pitchers don't understand. They keep following the same rules as if it's a normal situation where when you fall behind the count, you try to catch up in the count by throwing a higher percentage pitch uh, over more of the way the plate, which is typically your fastball. That scenario doesn't apply when you're in a base open situation where you're trying to prevent a runner scoring from third base. So, or if you even just had a double guy on second base, there's still a base open. So in situations like that, you're not trying to walk anyone. You're just saying, I'm going to throw everything to you. That's going to be super difficult to hit. So you're not getting anything in the center third of the plate. You're going to get breaking balls when you expect fastballs or my fastball is super good. So you're just going to get fastballs even when you expect them, but they're going to be on the edges of the plate and good luck hitting them. That's pretty much the mindset when you have a base open as compared to other situations, again, where when you fall behind, oh, I got to catch up. So here comes a fastball. That's not how it works when the game's on the line or when it's a key run on third base, all that sort of stuff. So hopefully this uh, this conversation about pitching with runners on third helps because it's difficult for young players. And strategically, there's a lot of things you can do to increase your odds of getting out of it um, if you know what those tactics are. All right, in today's 90-second mindset, let's talk about bouncing back after a bad start. So unfortunately, one of the rough things about being a starting pitcher is uh, obviously when you don't have a good outing, you have a lot of time to ruminate on it. And it can be tough to sit there and wait and wait and wait to try to redeem yourself again. And especially if you have another bad outing, things start to really go downhill quick uh, because, you know, it's a situation where, you know, your, your confidence can spiral down and get out of control where suddenly it's like, all right, this is a pattern and I'm not pitching well. Maybe I'm not good. Maybe I've lost it. Maybe I've lost the feel for this pitch or that pitch. And I wish I had really good advice for this, but really the big thing is just trying to keep on, stick to your routine, put one foot in front of the other, remind yourself that nothing changes because you had a bad start. Like you're still the pitcher that you thought you were. Um, and that you really just, uh, things are going to be normal the next time you go out. There's always going to be ups and downs, you know, in an ocean, there's always big waves and big valleys. Um, and that's how a baseball season is. So when you're doing that, when you're going through your season, you're going through the ups and downs and you have a, a bad start and you have to, uh, ruminate on it. Um, that's just a, a part of the game. And so you get better at, so again, sticking to your routine, just getting your work in, like not panicking, finding things to distract you, have some fun, have a social life, um, go through all the good motions to keep yourself 
from thinking about it too much. And then next time it's business as usual and hopefully you have a good start. All right, now's time for our listener Q&A portion of the show. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, please email a voice recording to hello at danblewitt.com. Lastly, does a slider hurt a young pitcher's arm? So this has been an old, I guess just a wives tale because uh, we teach kids curveballs, right? That's like the first breaking ball that most young players will learn. But yet for some reason, there's a stigma that a slider hurts your arm. There's not really a big difference anatomically in the way you throw the two. Um, And it's just one of those things where you're on the opposite side of the ball where you're uh, essentially supinating both pitches, a curveball or a slider. Um, But it's not a situation where there's a significant difference on the arm. Like you're both essentially exposing the elbow to a little more stress, but then again, neither stress is um, exceeding that of the fastball. So the fastball is the most stressful pitch, and that's simply because velocity is tied to it. So the ASMI has been, um, they've proven this. But at the same time, we know that kids that throw a breaking ball more often, they report more pain than kids that don't. So, but as far as one pitch or the other, there isn't really a big difference between the slider and the curveball. I mean, it's a negligible thing where essentially if you're going to throw a breaking ball, so be it. Um, neither of your breaking balls are more stressful than a fastball. And really it's just coming down to which one suits you better. So it's not good to pick a pitch based on, um, you know, oh, I'm afraid this one will hurt my arm or this one. You should pick the breaking ball that's best for you. So if you have a lower arm slot, a slider is going to be better. If you have a higher arm slot, a curveball is going to be better. But some players just spin a curveball better than a slider. Some players spin a slider better than a curveball. And if you look around, most players learn a curveball, but yet more pitchers throw a slider in college and pro ball than they do a curveball. So it says that, hey, the way kids are taught curveballs don't end up producing into college quality curveballs as well, because a lot of kids are getting converted into slider throwers in college. So there's something there where the way we're teaching young players, or they're just saying, this isn't, I tried this pitch for five years and it's apparently not as good as it needs to be. So my college coach is going to teach me a new one, a slider. So as far as sliders, they don't hurt a youth player's arm any more than any other pitch. That's not, that's just a, a myth. Um, but really just the thing is, is this the right pitch for me? Does it fit my repertoire? Does it fit my arm slot? Can I spin it well? Can I be good at it? If so, go ahead and learn it. Don't over-rely on it. Um, I think youth pitchers in general th- should throw a breaking ball 15% of the time and spend more of their time throwing their fastball, learning to command it, and throwing their change up. But anyway, a, a slider doesn't put more stress on the arm. So if that's your pick, then go for it. Well, that's it for today's episode of Dear Baseball Gods. If you enjoy the show and would like to support me while improving your baseball IQ, buy one of my books or enroll today in an online pitching course. Sign up for any of my courses through the links in the show notes and save 20% with code BASEBALLGODS just for being a listener. My online courses walk you through pitching mechanics, strategy, learning new pitches, and mental skills training. They're start to finish an amazing solution for pitchers, parents, and coaches who want step-by-step instruction. Pitching Isn't Complicated, my first book, is a thorough pitching manual with strategy, pitch grips, mechanics, mindset, routines, and other high-level pitching concepts. Not sure what your son is in for if he falls in love with the game? Dear Baseball Gods, the book, is my memoir, 
a story of growing up in the game, persevering through injuries and setbacks, and struggling with identity when I finally had to clean out my locker. Buy a copy today via the links in the show notes, available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook if you just can't get enough of my voice. Be sure to subscribe to my weekly email list where you'll get updates on all my new videos and episodes. Nearly 4,000 people get my emails, and you should too. Sign up through the link in the show notes. Lastly, who do you know who can use some good advice? Please share this podcast with a friend, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and subscribe to my YouTube channel where you'll find this podcast and hundreds of baseball instructional videos. As always, hustle and stay pious. I'm Dan Blewett, and I'll see you next time.